Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty introspective, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. Welcome to a very special episode of How Did We Get Weird? Yeah, thank you for listening. Normally, you know, we have a guest on talking about a nostalgic topic, but we have had a couple of these movie episodes. Our first episode was on Shallow Hal, and then we did one on There's Something About Mary, and I feel like we've gotten a really good reaction to these kind of nostalgic movie rewatches. So that's what we're doing again today. Right, Vanessa? That's right, Jonah. And you know, today we wanted to do something nostalgic. This film was just universally panned from the moment that it came out, but we thought it was relevant because the stars of it, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are back together. You may know them as Benifer, right, Jonah? I don't know them as that, but I know people call them that. Right, but people might know them as that. (laughs) People might, yeah. And I remember that in the summer of 2003, when I was lucky enough to intern at Late Night with Conan, 
Conan O'Brien. Basically, this movie was the butt of every single joke that was done on that late night show and every late night show and every pretty much joke that I heard. We're, of course, talking about the film Gigli. Yes. So this film came out in 2003. I had never seen it. I had actually had no idea what this movie was about. Yes. I gotta say, it was so different than what I expected. I knew it was kind of a romantic comedy, but it was so bizarre. Like I said, I knew it was kind of like Joe, you know, like it's like one of those films like Kevin Costner's Waterworld or something where people always make fun of, but I had never really actually seen it or really like researched it enough to know much about it. Same. I really didn't know anything about the plot. You and I both rented it online on Amazon. And I just want to really quickly read to our audience who might not know the plot. On Amazon, it says, when a small-time street thug, Larry Gigli, meets a tough and gorgeous enforcer named Ricky, the sparks fly in this outrageous battle of the sexes. I would say that's not really an accurate <laughs> synopsis. I would say a more accurate synopsis would be, in this movie that makes no sense, J-Lo and Ben Affleck do SNL-like caricatures <laughs> of mobsters and in an extremely offensive <laughs> plot that um, really is hard to watch. Yeah. And I will add that I tried so hard to find this movie for free. I (laughs) did not want to spend money on this. You cannot find this movie for free. I mean, I mean, maybe if you're really good at finding free stuff, you can, but like, it's not streaming anywhere. Like I said, I, right. you could like rent it from Amazon for $4 or buy it for $5. I guess I should have bought it and then maybe we both could have watched it. I don't know. I think we both rented it separately. I don't know. But it was really frustrating to me, the fact that I had to pay for this movie. Well, I think they might be trying to recoup some of their losses because as we read, this budget was initially million for this movie. Then, because of all the rewrites that they had done of it, the budget ballooned to $75.6 million. And the worldwide gross that this movie made was $7.3 million. So that's a loss of about $70 million. So maybe that's why they're making us pay for it. That makes sense. Well, it's probably going to take a while to recoup, right? But yeah, I mean, what's interesting about this film is that the biggest second weekend drop of any film since that statistic was kept. So it it dropped 81.9% from the second weekend to the first. And then they like pulled it out of all these theaters yes. after its third week. So I think this is quite rare, right? They spend all of this money in the movie and then they just like wanted to get it away from people. Get it away from people. I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that it was such an offensive premise that they realized like, no, 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 no. Let's get this out of here. Like, it just feels like this was 2003. I can't remember now. I'm blanking on what year Shallow Hell came out, but it's like, I feel like this was a time when movies were coming out that still like would be considered offensive today, but weren't necessarily at the time. But this one, I think from day one, people were like, oh, this is this is really bad. Aside from just like the, again, the kind of character acting in it, etc. Yeah. So Shallow Hell came out 2001. Okay. So two years before this. Yeah. And there's something about Mary, which we talked about before that came out in 98. Okay. So we're talking like a five year period here. And, you know, there's something about Mary has, you know, some similarities to this movie. You know, this movie also has a lot of similarities, in my opinion, to Chasing Amy, the Kevin Smith movie, which came out, I think, a couple years before this, not only because it starts Ben Affleck, but it's also like Ben Affleck trying to like get a lesbian to like him, which is yeah. like basically what all of Chasing Amy is about. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of strange that two years later, he would do another movie where that's 
sort of the plot, although this movie makes Chasing Amy look like, you know, our Criterion Collection masterpiece. I would say this movie almost makes Shallow Hell look like a Criterion Collection masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, this movie is so, first of all, everyone knows that Ben Affleck is like famously, and I know that he's, I've seen him be good and stuff. He's a good actor, but he's sort of famously a guy from Boston. And to hear him doing this kind of, mobster New York accent is honestly quite despicable. <laughs> it's quite hard to listen to. That was like sort of what threw me off like when we started the movie because I was like, oh, he's supposed to be this like really bad kind of gangster guy and he's wearing those like kind of like shirts from swingers yeah. with like the kind of stripes on the side. But it's like there's something about it that's like you're not buying it. Like it's not intimidating. It just seems like kind of weird. It's so unconvincing, especially you're right. He's in like the swinger shirts and stuff. It's so unconvincing that he's a mobster from like the first moment. And the guy who plays his boss, Louis, is like (laughs) so doing a caricature (laughs) of a mobster. I just want to kind of take you through, Jonah, what I understand the plot to be. Okay, I've researched it. I've watched the film and there's still some parts I'm a little confused about. So let's just try and talk through what happens in this film to the best of our knowledge, because it is a little bit hard, not only to digest, but also to understand. So this movie starts out and Ben Affleck is like yelling at someone and you can't really tell who he's yelling at. And then they reveal that he's in a laundromat and he's yelling at someone, a guy whose like mouth is like taped up, who's like in a laundry machine. And Ben Affleck's basically like threatening this guy in a way that seems like he's like joking. Like it's really unclear. Like so then he's like, he's like, you better tell me where like so-and-so's money is or I'm going to turn this washing machine on. And then like someone tries to get into, I promise I won't cover everything so specifically, but someone tries to get into the laundromat and he like yells at them to leave. He's like, I'm in the middle something. And then again, that's where you see that he's threatening this guy. He's like closes the laundry machine on this guy. And then the guy's like, I'll tell you where the money is. I have half of it. And then they cut to Ben Affleck saying to his boss, this guy who plays a character of a mobster, Louie. And he's like, I got half the money. And Louie's like, you got to get me all the money. And you're already like, oh, this is terrible. Like you, you just are already like, this is so unrealistic and I don't believe for one second that any of these people are mobsters. So from there he gets orders and I kept thinking of like Ben Affleck's like character in Days and Confused. Yeah. You know he like plays that like kind of guy who wants to like haze everyone. I feel like he's good at playing like these kind of like juvenile characters. Yes. Especially like this era of Ben Affleck but it's like this almost it's just is too hard to take him seriously because it's like <laughs> he kind of has that same vibe of like kind of just like this immature weird but like it's trying to be so serious. So then it's trying to be like a mob movie. It's trying to be a mob movie. Exactly. So then Louis, his boss, his boss tells him to kidnap the younger brother of this federal prosecutor to use to save this other mob boss from going to prison. And he's at like a mental health facility, some kind of disability that they never, they're never really clear about what exactly is going on. But so much of this movie is people just showing up places. And like there being no security or like people showing up at people's apartment, like everyone just like goes places and it's like fine. It's fine. Yeah. So I just want to say, first of all, a bit that Ben Affleck does with his boss, that's sort of a bit that's used halfway through the movie and then is dropped is that no one knows how to say Ben Affleck's last name. Yes. His last name's actually Gili, but people keep pronouncing it different ways. 
And it's like a joke that they like realized didn't work halfway through the movie and they just took it out of the script or something. It's very weird. But they keep repeating it. He's like, Geely, like really? Yeah. And it's like, this isn't funny or good. It's just someone pronouncing someone's name wrong. Yeah, I felt like the boss, Louis, almost like seems like like a Tim Heidecker character or something. Oh, it's, it's like, such a Tim Heidecker character. Tim Heidecker, by the way, would have been so much better in that role. Oh, my God. He would have been so much better. I mean, because it's so exaggerated and like absurd. It's like so unrealistic, his boss. OK, but then his boss. Yeah, it's like almost like it could be like a meta comedy but it's like it's not that's what i'm saying it seems like on snl when they do sketches about movies it seems like they're playing sketch characters making fun of a real mob movie because it seems so far off from being a real mob movie with stakes yes i just want to say that ben affleck's boss says to him i want you to take this guy this guy that we're trying to intimidate this federal prosecutor this federal prosecutor has a very beloved relative with psychological defects and that's who ben affleck is supposed to kidnap and he says i need him gotten for the time i need him being held on to and so you're like okay so this is the story Ben Affleck's character is supposed to kidnap this guy who's intellectually disabled. Okay. So then Ben Affleck's like, okay. And then Ben Affleck goes to like a home for people who maybe have some mental disabilities, I guess we'll call them. And he just gets let right into this home. He goes over, he finds this guy who is an intellectually disabled man played by Justin Bartha, who many may know as the main character in the Hangover series. This was, I think, his one of his first movies. Yeah. And he says, you got to come with me. And then basically Justin Bartha, who plays the character Brian, goes with him and nobody stops them. Nobody's like, what's going on? Like, this is where this guy lives. You have to like register to like take him out of here. Like, this is his home. Right. His brother is a federal prosecutor. So probably got him into a home that has like some kind of security and like keeps track of the people who live there. No issue. Just Ben Affleck's like, come with me. And so the brother, Brian, is obsessed with Baywatch. Yeah. The TV series Baywatch, which I guess aired in the 90s from 89 to 99. Based on when this came out, yeah, this would be a few years after Baywatch ended. But so he's saying that. And then Ben Affleck is kind of like, we're going to the Baywatch, kind of using that to like get him to go along with him, essentially. Yeah. Brian, the brother that he's kidnapping, thinks that he is going to Baywatch. He thinks it's like a place as opposed to a show and thinks he's going there because that's what Ben Affleck says to lure him into his car as, you know, a kidnapper. And let me just say, as boring as this synopsis may sound, I think the movie itself is actually more boring. (laughs) And me and Vanessa both had to like break it up into like multiple sittings. And I saw another review online where someone was like, yeah, you can only watch this like 20 or 30 minutes at a time because it's like, this like felt like work. Like getting through this felt like work. I actually, because it was my idea to (laughs) watch this movie, I actually felt like so bad. Like when we started today, I apologized to Jonah for making him sit through this full piece of shit. (laughs) of a movie. But anyway, so Ben Affleck has now done his duty. He's kidnapped Justin Bartha, who's playing an intellectually disabled person, which gotta say, like, I can't tell. Like, I don't know. The thing is, like, Justin Bartha is actually trying to 
be true to this role. And I feel like if it was in like a different movie that wasn't such a full piece of horse shit, like he's actually not trying to like make fun of people with disabilities. Like he's actually trying to do a good job, but he's in a movie with such like cartoonish actors and such a cartoonish plot that it's like, really, I'm happy for him that he was able to like recover from this and get other jobs after it. Because like, I'm glad he didn't like go down with the ship. And as we know, the person who directed this left the business after this movie came out. Okay. So anyways, Ben Affleck has kidnapped Justin Bartha. They're at Ben Affleck's apartment. And Ben Affleck is basically being like, you got to stay here at my apartment for a while. Oh, by the way, he says they're going to the Baywatch. And then Ben Affleck picks up his flashlight, which he pretends is like a walkie talkie. And he says... (laughs) He says, oh, man, the Baywatch is closed today. We'll have to go tomorrow. Keep in mind, Ben Affleck has a phone. (laughs) Like he has a cell phone that he could pick up and pretend he's missing a call. And also Justin Bartha's character maybe is mentally disabled, but he understands things. So it's like so crazy to me that they're like, let's have Ben Affleck pick up a flashlight and talk into that instead of a cell phone. Just one example of how this movie sucks. (laughs) But anyways... He picks up the cell phone and he's like, Baywatch is closed. You're going to have to come to my apartment. Okay, so they're at the apartment and he gets a knock on the door. So he gets a knock. I'm trying to remember. And so this is J-Lo who's wearing this like crazy outfit. Really incredibly low cut. Like her jeans are so low rise, which we recently had John early on and we were talking about how that was a big trend in the 90s. But they're so low rise and she's wearing like a midriff top. It just feels so like disgusting on the part of like the creators of this movie that they're like let's just like put her body out there right away anyways instead of just being like i was put on this job with you to like co-kidnap this kid she's like can i come in and use your phone i'm new in town (laughs) it's like to what end right so then we figure out So she comes in to use a phone. Ben Affleck is like oh wow like i have this woman in my apartment and he's like hitting on her And there's like this weird energy. It's just like you're like, what's going on? And then basically she explains that the mob boss has hired her basically to watch him to make sure (laughs) he does a good job. But what's so weird about her character, I found her character to be the most difficult for me (laughs) because they try to make her like almost sort of like enlightened. Yes. Like... She's reading sort of like, it seems like sort of like these Eastern philosophy books. She's reading a book called Being Peace. And she's like very, you know, has these kind of progressive ideas and seems very kind of fluid and intellectually, you know, really smart and kind of sensitive. But it's also like, you don't seem like you're a criminal, like, like, and you never get any backstory into like her like crime career or or, like how she got into this. Like, it just seems like, okay, if this is your personality, why are you being hired by the mob? Yes. To like help kidnap someone. Like it doesn't, like, I feel like there's just like this vibe she has. Well, like it's just a job. It's like, no, like if these are your values, this would not be your job. (laughs) Like, You're so right. Like, this is such an extreme job for someone who is seems so, so kind of like spiritual. Yeah, it's really that part is was so weird. Yeah, and because she doesn't give any of her background, you're like, oh, this feels like just someone who would never work for the mob. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's clear they're like, we need someone who's like the opposite of this kind of ofi Ben Affleck 
mobster guy. What's the opposite? Like someone smart. Yeah. Like someone emotionally intelligent. And so they're like, let's put this, but they just kind of like, they don't relate this back to the plot. So it just seems like that was something the whole time. I was like, wait, why is this person here? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You're right. And then what makes less sense well, maybe not less sense, but another thing that doesn't make sense is so basically she's being flirty with Ben Affleck and then she's like, let's talk in the other room. And she's like, you're a fucking you're lame. And he's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, you're a stupid idiot and you can't do anything. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then she's like, I'm supposed to watch you like a hawk and I'm going to make sure you get this job done. And she's like, your boss put me in charge and you're in charge of me, too. And you're like, what? And so then he goes and he calls his boss Louie again the cartoonishly acted Louie and by the way Louie is at a restaurant just talking to random people he's like yeah yeah, yeah I love yeah. the steak here like well, how but- in what world can we can we believe that any of these people are cutthroat mobsters when they're all just like a bunch of like <laughs> morons okay and then and then Louie gets this call from Ben Affleck he's like so annoyed he's like like, I'm busy here. It's like, you're busy. You're just like talking to strangers about a menu. Like when Louis first gave him the assignment, he was like, I need you to do this job for me. And now Ben Affleck is calling him back being like, why is this woman here? And he's like, because you couldn't even do the job if you tried. And it's like, well, then why did you assign it to him in the first place? Okay, so what Louis is doing is he's like, instead of Ben Affleck, I don't think Ben Affleck can handle kidnapping this kid by himself. So I'm going to send this like very beautiful woman who's also a mobster, quote unquote, to go live. They're all going to live together in his apartment. And you're like, what? It's so deeply, deeply stupid. Then, of course, like they set up the thing of like Ben Affleck and J-Lo don't get along. Ben Affleck says he can't believe he has to work with J-Lo because he's the sultan of slick and he knows the rule of cool. I don't know exactly what the context is. I just wrote those down. And then Ben Affleck starts yelling at Brian, the brother that they kidnapped, because he's so annoyed that he's in this situation now. And J-Lo says to him, you leave him alone or I'll kill you. And it's like, What proof do we have that this person would ever kill anyone? She's reading these enlightened books. Okay. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. Let that sink in for everyone. And we'll be back with more of our discussion of Gili after this break. Hacks is back for season three. And so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so we left off J-Lo, Ben Affleck. I'm just going to call them by their names because it's like, I'm not buying them as any of these characters anyway. She's not going by her real name the whole time anyway. And then at the end, she gives her real name and it's very anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, but so then he gets mad because he's hitting on J-Lo and then he says, you should sleep in my bed with me. And she's like, okay. And then they get into bed and he's like hitting on her and she says that she's a lesbian. And this is like really upsetting to him. Yeah. And... You know, there's a lot of dialogue. A lot of the reviews said this too. There's just so much profanity in this movie. So much swearing. But yeah, but it just in the context of like conversation, like the not even like, it just seems so out of context. So they're having this conversation about it. Like, I think I've kind of like blocked it out because it was like so hard to watch. There's this whole scene before he goes to bed where like he's like has his shirt off and he's like doing all this like flexing flexing in the mirror and it's like in the bathroom yeah and she can kind of hear him yeah and he's kind of talking to himself and flexing and it's like I know it's it's acting I know it's a movie but it's I don't know if it is acting Jonah it was so embarrassing like I felt so kind of embarrassed for everyone involved in this like during that moment I was like this scene is like so uncomfortable to watch because it's like yeah it's like supposed to be a comedy thing I think where he's supposed to be like in his mirror kind of flexing getting ready to like hit on this woman but it doesn't really make sense and he's talking really quiet and it's like they haven't set up enough like what's going on so you're just sort of like why is he doing this so then he gets in bed with her and he's basically like hitting on her and she's like you're not my type and she says that she's a lesbian and it's like again you want to think of her as this enlightened elevated person but before she goes to bed she goes like it's too bad that I'm a lesbian because if I wasn't I'd find it really hard not to do you big time right now and you're like who is this character like who talks like that <laughs> so then the next day they get visited by a cop so people are just dropping by this apartment all the time as you'll see 
they're visited by Christopher Walken. Caught played by Christopher Walken. And it is one of the most bizarre scenes in the movie. And I feel like that's saying a lot. He's a <laughs> cop and he's investigating this guy, Brian, who's missing. So they hide Brian in one of the rooms. But then he's like going on this like long thing about wanting to get spaghetti. And he's like, we should all go get, you know, a bowl of spaghetti. And it's like, <laughs> it's so weird. So he's like sort of accusing wrote, Julie yeah. of being behind this thing, but also wants to get spaghetti with them. But also is in the house and doesn't think to look in the other room where the kid that he's looking for is doesn't think to like look around the house at all. Yeah. The spaghetti thing is just so weird. I wrote down goes insane about going to Marie Callender's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then Ben Affleck's like, I'm kind of trying to be healthy. It's like, okay, like, like, what are what? we watching? <laughs> By the way, this is also where some of the plot gets, fl- plot is like too strong of a word, but gets like fleshed out because up until this point, they don't know why they kidnapped Brian. And then he explains that this federal prosecutor who they call Starkman, it's his younger brother. Starkman's going to take down like, Louis's boss. So Ben's boss's boss. It seems like his brother was kidnapped to like intimidate him, but it's not going to work. This is the first time of two times that they basically explain to you in the movie why the plot of the movie makes no sense and doesn't work. It happens again later, but basically they get these two cameos from these two real actors who in both scenes, these actors explain why the plot of the movie doesn't work. We'll get to the second one when we get there. But just to keep going, time passes. They're kind of just basically babysitting for Brian, for this kid that they kidnapped. They go to like a diner to get food. And there's these guys that are being really obnoxious and loud. And Ben Affleck wants to fight with them. But instead, J-Lo's like, don't fight with them. Words are stronger than fighting. And she goes into this insane monologue with them about how there's this ancient art of gouging out someone's eyes and how she learned how to do it. And you can gouge out eyes like this and it's you have to go really far away to travel really far to distant land to learn how to gouge people's eyes out. But it, the trip was worth it. <laughs> And she knows how to do it. And then they like leave and they've like really intimidated these guys. Then Ben Affleck's like, did you make all that up? And she's like, yeah, I made it up. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's such a like involved thing for her to make up. She's talking about she's like, it's the move that like takes the past. And it's like you pull it out in this way where it like also like severs your optic nerve and something in your brain. So you can't remember anything. It's like, I mean, and it takes away your visual memories. Yeah. And it's so kind of technical. And you're like, wow, you made this up just because these guys were playing a stereo at like a restaurant too loud like it's again it's just like this sort of heavy-handed symbolism where it's like he's sort of all like muscle and like brute force and she's like this is more like intellectual yeah and she's all brains or something yeah and then maybe what she means she's making up is that she learned this art maybe the art is something that she read about in her book being peace but either way (laughs) doesn't sound like it would be in a book called being peace you're right but again if she's so knowledgeable about all these different ways of the world why is she letting this full again cartoon mob boss louis be like kidnap this kid and she's like okay like it's (laughs) like wouldn't she be like running like a fortune 500 company or like a (laughs) yoga retreat or something like it's like so insane that she'd be like have all this knowledge and be like but i'm gonna like keep watch on this kid and this guy yeah it's totally at odds so then i don't remember the order of all this stuff but like 
Then they get another visitor at the house, which is like her ex-girlfriend. Yes. At some point, they get another visitor at the house. I also want to say that Justin Bartha's character keeps getting referred to as an effing R word. I think the R word, it's so offensive. It's so crazy how much they use it. Even JLo calls him like a dimwit once. And like, it's so crazy how careless they are. With their language. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would think even by 2003 that, you know, there would be more awareness about that. But yeah, that is probably the most sort of shocking thing about the movie. You know, hearing that in today's context, it's just like really, really jarring. We can kind of get through to the end. But like at one point, Ben Affleck is like, you can tell he's like really into JLo, even though she's turned him down before. And she's doing yoga. Do you remember this, Jonah? And she gives this whole speech about anatomy and how when someone wants to kiss someone, they really want to kiss their mouth. And that's because the mouth is the twin sister of the vagina. And she goes into this whole thing about vaginas. And it's so like weird and insane. And you're just like, what is happening? Why is she giving? JLo has like probably... 10 monologues she gives in this movie that are like so involved. And again, you go like, why is this person a mobs? Why is she taking orders from Louis? Which, by the way, then at some point after that, Louis calls them and Brian picks up and Louis says, is this the R word? Then he's like, put Ben Affleck on the phone and he gets Ben Affleck on the phone and he basically says, I need you to cut off Brian, who they kidnaps, thumb and send it to this prosecutor to intimidate him. And Ben Affleck is like, what? And then Louis says, if you're not going to listen to me, quote, put the clam liquor on. <laughs> That's how he refers to Jennifer Lopez. So by the way, how does he know she's a lesbian? Like, how does Louis know that if she had to tell Ben <laughs> Affleck? Louis never met Jennifer. Like, she says she's never met Louis in person. So it's like, okay, he says that. I'm, sorry, I'm just laughing at the, the absurdity of it. But just to back up also, her ex-girlfriend comes over. Then the girlfriend comes over. Okay, yeah. so this is after. Yeah, and then she says, why are you with Ben Affleck? And she goes, I'm not with him. It's not about him. And then she's like, slits her wrist. She slits her wrist. Like, in front of everyone. And then has to go to the hospital. And Ben Affleck's like, you're crazy. You're a crazy lady. And it's like so disturbing. It's like, what? Like, why did this need to happen? Yeah, she's so upset that by assuming that J-Lo is with Ben Affleck now, that she starts slitting her wrists like in the apartment, which, by the way, I thought that that was how they were going. I thought like that she was going to maybe cut her thumb off and then they would get like the thumb. Oh, yeah, that would have actually probably been better. Right. Or they could have like talked her into cut like they could have been like, give us your thumb and we won't date or something. Yeah. But anyways, you can tell that what they're doing is they're getting them to go take her to the hospital so that they can come up with this genius plan they come up with at the hospital to get a thumb from a cadaver. They like sneak into like a morgue at the hospital and cut off this like frozen thumb from someone. And they're like, this is the thumb that will send to the federal prosecutor to intimidate him. And then when they go to like the UPS or like wherever they're sending it to, this is something this movie kept doing too, which was making me so mad. They play like romantic comedy music, like as they're like packing this thumb up in this package, you're, like playing this like kind of like fun kind of flirty music. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, they're at like a mailboxes, etc., and they're like, we need a, a six by nine envelope. The woman's like, okay. And then they like throw it in this envelope and write it. And as Ben Affleck is sort of like filling it out, like 
J-Lo and this woman working there are like smiling at each other. And it's like, <laughs> okay, like, it's like, we get it. J-Lo says so many times in this movie, I'm a lesbian. Like, we get it. It's not like everywhere you go, people are like blatantly hitting on you. I don't, it's just like- I know what you're saying. Cause, okay, we'll get to it. But even when they eventually sleep together, Jayla like grabs Ben's like chest, like she's grabbing for his breast. And he's like, ow. And it's like, she says all these things to him in the different times that they make out where she's like, even at the end of the movie, she goes like, you'd look pretty good with mascara on. And you're like, what is this movie trying to say about her being a lesbian? That like, she likes Ben. It's so clearly not- (laughs) So clearly like a lot of men being like, I think this is what a lesbian would do with like a guy. Like, so anyways, then they send the thumb and then they get back in the car and Ben goes on this monologue about how he's actually really sad. Like, so I think this is supposed to be when they're showing Ben's character. But earlier she's saying to him, like, why are you so sad? You seem sad. Like, so, oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like sort of kind of like psychoanalyzing him and his like sexuality and his, you know, maybe being depressed and like, She's trying to kind of get into his psychology, which is like, but it doesn't seem like there's anything there. Yeah. But then, yeah, then he starts talking about why he's sad and he kind of starts opening up sort of. And I just want to say some of the things he says, he goes on this monologue about being sad. He says he's sad that she's a stone cold dyke, a dykosaurus rex, and there's nothing he can do. And she's not only a major babe, but he likes this girl a lot, speaking to her. And his life sucks. So stick a fork in him. He's done. And okay, then they get back to his apartment. And she's like, I want you to check your nails. This is so fucking stupid. Sorry to talk like I'm in that movie. But then she's like, if you check your nails, like you fold them over versus like you check them the other way. It means you have feminine leanings. And she's like, you have feminine leanings. And then maybe that's why she then like kisses him. It's so weird the way that these people think lesbianism works. Like, it's just like, can you guys just like not try and (laughs) anyway. So she grabs for his chest and he's like, ow, that hurts. And she goes, I thought you wanted to be my bitch. (laughs) And then she opens her legs and she says, it's turkey time. (laughs) She tells him she wants him to show her what she's been missing. This is the moment that everyone's been waiting for where they're going to finally make out. I wrote down, makes me want to barf. Then they finally start having sex. This is the ultimate like betrayal of the audience, I think, too, is like, then all of a sudden they're trying to be an art film and they just film like their faces. Like they're having sex. And by the way, dress J-Lo for this entire movie in such like provocative clothing where her whole body is being shown in a way that you're like, what is going on? And then when they're finally having sex, just show their faces. And guess what? They're not convincing. Like their faces, they're just like, it's hard for me to verbalize Jonah, but I guess what I'm trying to say is people are not in this film because like the acting and like the characters are so believable. So it's like the one part that could maybe draw an audience in not to be like whatever is like these two people having sex. And this is where it turns into an art film where they're just going to show their faces. And it's like, well, their faces look fucking stupid. And I don't believe a second of this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the reviews I read talked about sort of a lack of on-screen chemistry. I mean, I think a lot of it is due to there being no character development. Yeah. Ben Affleck, there's nothing like charming or interesting about this character. He just seems kind of dumb. He just seems kind of like this kind of like mobster guy. And, you know, and then J-Lo seems really enlightened, but they don't really seem to connect in any way. And so then I feel like 
they hate each other and then all of a sudden like they like have this like really deep connection. Yes. It's not earned. Yeah, it's not earned. Like you don't understand exactly how they got there. It just seems really kind of thrown together. Yeah. So then they sleep together and there's like references that JLo makes here and like later in the film where she's like, I'm interested in women, but you really charmed me. Like you really got through to me. And it's like, in what way? Like he's just been being like a full (laughs) idiot this whole time. Like why is she suddenly like, This guy gets me. Okay, so then the next morning after they slept together, she very predictably says to him, when this gig is over, she's leaving. She's going to leave town and he'll never see her again. And it's like, well, why didn't she leave already? Like, this gig is so stupid. Like, if she's so enlightened, why is she doing this? But he's like really bummed about this. And then they're taking a car ride again with this kid that they kidnapped in the backseat. And they're playing this, kind of like emotional music where it's like just disregard that we still have kidnapped this kid he's in the backseat and Ben Affleck talks about this fantasy he has of going somewhere clean where he could really be himself and you're like you still are an idiot and like I still don't understand why this character is engaging in any way so anyways then they get a phone call from the second favor that this movie was able to pull off, which is that they get Al Pacino. They need to go meet Al Pacino's character, who you find out is like Louis' boss, their cartoonish boss, Louis' actual boss, who's the one who put them all up to this, you think. And they have to go meet Louis and his boss somewhere. Right. It's Al Pacino, which it's like, you know, celebrated actor like Christopher Walken. And he's, you know, doing his best. Doing his best. He's like, someone clearly asked me to do this movie as a favor and I'm going to try and honor it. Well, it's just like, it's funny because like, obviously like Scarface, you know, one of the most famous movies like of all time in that gangster kind of genre. You know, you have the Godfather, Al Pacino's in. So Al Pacino's in all these kind of iconic movies playing these types of characters. But it just seems like so out of place in this movie because like it's so kind of poorly done so yeah he comes in and he basically is like i know this wasn't because it got fingerprinted or something there's all this talk about like is a thumb really a finger or is it a (laughs) digit it's like so stupid okay not to interrupt you jonah but this part i really need to please then al pacino's like the most dangerous thing is when someone doesn't give a shit he's like says to louis he's like did you ever go to medical school and then he's like what and then he just shoots louis in the head and kills him and jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck couldn't have less of a like realistic reaction (laughs) to like someone being killed. Like they're just like mouths kind of agape and they're kind of like so clearly acting and just like, I think they're just like genuinely like really excited to watch Al Pacino act, but they're just like not in character. Okay. This is where Al Pacino, he's talking to dead Louis, but this is where he basically calls out why the movie premise does not work. Al Pacino says, I didn't need your help. I could have beaten these charges. What were you thinking? You were going to extort a federal prosecutor. You thought you could say, I kidnapped your little brother, drop all the charges, and this guy would just roll over. So basically, in this moment, Al Pacino is saying the whole premise of this movie of you kidnapping this little brother so that his brother, the federal prosecutor, would drop the charges is so stupid and doesn't make sense. Right. (laughs) I did some research on this and there's a GQ article about it. And I guess the director of this film worked with Al Pacino on Scent of a Woman, Okay, where Al Pacino won an Oscar. And so it's like... That's probably how they got him in it. But yeah, he basically points out the plan makes no sense. I mean, can you imagine if like, you know, it's a federal prosecutor has a case and he's like, oh, wait, someone kidnapped my brother and sent me his thumb. Like, let's just drop the charges and like, we'll just forget about it. It doesn't make any sense. 
But then basically, you know, you get the sense maybe he's going to kill J-Lo and Ben Affleck. But once again, J-Lo is able to sort of talk their way out of it, basically convince him that like they're the only ones who know where Brian is and he needs Brian. So, you know, that is sort of she ends up saving them. Yeah. And basically she makes it sound like they're going to kill Brian. But then that's not what they go and do. Then it just cuts to them being in the car and being like, good thing we got out of there. And then Ben says he thinks that what just happened is a sign that it's time for him to get out of this mob business, which it's like, well, your acting was never convincing that you were in it. But like, yeah, I guess someone threatening your life in this way does show that. So then they take Brian and they're like, you have to go home. We're going to return you to your home. And so they're driving past this beach and (laughs) an ending that couldn't have been more stupid. They're on like the Pacific Coast Highway or something and they're driving past the beach and this Baywatch type movie or show or something is being filmed. And Brian's like so excited. And he's like, oh, my God, you actually are taking me. This is actual Baywatch. Like, can you take me there? And they're like, no, no. OK. And so then they go to the set of this like beach movie that's filming. And Ben Affleck apologizes to Brian and uses a payphone to call Brian's brother's office, I guess, and tell them that he has his brother and that he's on this beach, you assume. But then Ben Affleck says to them, I'm not going to give you my name and hangs up, which I guess we're supposed to assume that like now Ben Affleck and JLo won't get in trouble because they (laughs) said where the brother is that they kidnapped, but they didn't say what their name is, which it's also like so much of this is so stupid. Jonah, do you want to kind of sum up the ending of this movie? Yeah. So I just watched the ending because like I said, I I broke it up into many chunks. I had like 15 minutes left. It was like really hanging over my head. I was like, oh, I got to watch this. So they say goodbye to Brian. They have this kind of like touching goodbye. Brian goes off. Ben Affleck gives JLo the keys to his like convertible. He's like, this car doesn't fit my image anymore. It's this kind of like Cadillac. He was like, you should have the car. You know, she's like, okay. So then she drives away in his car. He keeps watching Brian and they're like, okay, there's going to be this like dance scene in the movie with all these extras. <laughs> and so Brian's kind of like gets caught up with them. And then they're like, okay, everyone partner up, which is like, why would you have to partner up? It's just like a bunch of people standing around anyways. But Brian partners up with this woman and then he uses these sort of like pickup lines that Ben Affleck taught him. That's like, so how about the weather <laughs> and like all this stuff and like, This woman is like really into it and they're like dancing and everyone's dancing. But what's so weird is like Ben Affleck is very far away, (laughs) but they're acting like Ben Affleck can like hear the conversation. So like whenever there's like an interaction, like he uses one of Ben Affleck's lines, it cuts to Ben Affleck and he's like smiling or he's like, whoa, like he's like really impressed. And it's like, this guy looks like he's like 500 feet away from you. (laughs) Like he's probably like, but also (laughs) this little dot on the beach. But just to add to what you're saying too, Jonah, the guy in charge of the shoot is like, everybody partner up. And it's like, then they start dancing and it's not slow dancing. It's like, (laughs) they're like dancing to like regular music. So like the kind of music that you definitely don't need a partner for. So, you know, I guess like, you know, Brian, you know, this is his dream and like Ben Affleck is like helping him achieve it. And then, so that's where you think the movie's going to end. And then Ben Affleck's walking away to sort of, you know, reinvent himself, supposedly. And, you know, J-Lo pulls up in the convertible and is like, you know, get in. I'm driving. And she says, my real name is Rochelle. And it's like they've been calling her Ricky, which it's like, <laughs> OK, it seems like Ricky could be short for Rochelle. Like, who cares? <laughs> and then they get in the car. 
and drive away. And that is the film Geely. I would like to just say some of the lines that they say when they get in the car. Okay. They get in the car and she says to him, she offers to give him a ride out of town and he takes it and they're like in the car together. And she goes, I bet you'd look awesome in some mascara. (laughs) You're like, what is happening here? Are they trying to say that she's like trying to make him more feminine so she'll be more attracted to him? But like, it's just so weird. And then she says to him, like your mother said, because we skipped this scene where they meet his mother. It's so insane that I won't even, <laughs> it's not even worth us covering. Where the mother says, most of the people that he brings over here are pigs or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then she goes, but I can tell that you're a good woman. And it's like based on just seeing JLo, like not based on anything she says. Anyway, so to get back to the ending. So she goes, like your mother said, life's not always black and white. Sometimes you just never know. And then he goes, are you driving me or are you just bullshitting? And she goes, I'm driving. They drive off into the sunset and they play like from Working Girl, like Let the River Run type of music where it's like this music with someone being like, whoa, whoa. Like it's like that kind of like inspirational, like we did it, we did. And it's like, how dare you try and make us think that this is like a good movie with like an inspiring ending? Like this movie was horseshit from the first moment. It had no redeeming qualities, except maybe that they were able to get like these two big name actors, not J-Lo and Ben Affleck, but Al Pacino and Christopher Walken to like do them a favor. I can't even explain how much this movie sucks. Again, obviously not a movie I saw in the theater. 2003, you know, I had just graduated from college. I was working at Alternative Press. I was like going to punk shows. This was not on my radar. And yeah, I tried to view it with an open mind. But yeah, I agree. It's a really confusing movie. It doesn't make sense. There isn't <laughs> character development. And like I said, it's weird that like, you know, this guy who made Sen of a Woman and all these kind of acclaimed movies. I'm just curious, like what the process was of putting the movie together, because I feel like there's these ideas. Like, I think they're trying to question like Ben Affleck's sexuality. Like, I think they're trying to sort of do these kind of like interesting things that might not be part of a typical romantic comedy but they just like the writing and the acting is so kind of stilted that it just makes everything feel kind of like you don't understand what's going on or something exactly i agree it just none of it works so on that note we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with some final thoughts on Geely. hacks is back for season three and so is the official hacks podcast in each episode hacks creators lucia and yellow paul w downs and jen stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the emmy winning comedy series You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so we're back. And I just wanted to give a little bit of trivia on this film before we kind of dive into what the actors sort of say about it now. Some fun facts are every UK cinema dropped this film after one week. The film set, as Jonah said earlier, a new record for the largest second weekend box office drop 81.9% undiscovered, I guess, broke that record. This became the first film in the history of the Razzie Awards to sweep the top five categories. Worst picture, worst actor, Ben Affleck, worst actress, Jennifer Lopez, worst director, Martin Briest, and worst screenplay. Affleck and Lopez also won a Razzie for worst screen couple. Only 73 U.S. theaters were showing the film by its third weekend of release, down from 2,215 during the first weekend, a drop of 90... (laughs) 97%. It's the largest drop ever in terms of percentage. At the time, it was the largest drop in terms of numbers of theaters shed. The word fuck is used 124 times, which is something that is really noticeable because it seems like it's every other word. It was ranked number one on Star Network's 101 Biggest Celebrity Oops in 2004. The only character who doesn't say fuck, by the way, is Christopher Walken. And Jennifer Lopez was paid $12 million dollars. Ben Affleck was paid $12.5 million. Their combined salaries <laughs> are more than three times the film's worldwide gross. It was director Martin Brees' final film. And yeah, those are some fun facts about the film. Well, we gave them another $10. Yeah, we did. But I'm going to maybe see if Amazon can refund that. I'm going to maybe yeah. complain. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. So Ben Affleck actually recently gave an interview where he talked about this, like in January of this year. Wow. They did a cover story in February for Entertainment Weekly where he spoke with Matt Damon. And during the interview, they went over a bunch of Ben Affleck's kind of previous films and they asked about Geely. This is from Hollywood Reporter. He says that he believed that Geely had some quote unquote 
wonderful stuff in there, but that the movie taught him the public perception film can be impacted by narratives unrelated to what's on the screen. Mm. This is from Hollywood Reporter quoting this Entertainment Weekly interview. He said, but for being a movie that's such a famous bomb and disaster, very few people actually saw the movie, which is true. Mm -hmm. And then he said, it doesn't work, by the way. It's sort of a horse's head on a cow's body. Mm -hmm. But he said that he learned a lot about the craft of filmmaking you know, he says the funny name, Gili, the Jennifer Lopez romance and the overexposure of that. It was kind of a perfect storm. He said, I thought my job was to be a cipher. I can see how people looked at me and thought of this person as some Califrac guy whose cavalier has too much. It engendered a lot of negative feelings about me. There's an aspect of people that I go to see that was sad and hard. It was depressing, made me question things and feel disappointed and have a lot of self-doubt. Although he says that this movie kind of made him want to pursue directing, which he called the real love of my professional life, and it allowed him to meet Lopez, who split up less than a year after its release in 2003, but kindled their relationship last year. And then I guess Lopez, it says here, has laughed it off. The fact that it has a 6% from Rotten Tomatoes. She said there's worse movies than Julie out there to Seth Meyers in 2015. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, I think they've kind of spun it as like this movie brought us together. Ben Affleck has kind of spun this as like, yeah, he has had success with directing like what, like Argo? Did he direct that? That was like a big movie. Well, an opening opened up in the world of directing because the person who directed this movie never directed again. So yeah. So was that related to this movie? I think so. I think he was so because what I also read was that he did not want to make it like a romantic movie at all, but that Sony really wanted to. And so I think he was sort of unhappy. And my understanding understanding from what I read is that after this movie, he just stopped directing. Yeah, it looks like he hasn't written, produced or directed a film since. So yeah, that's pretty intense because he's worked on some big films. He directed Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, Midnight Run, Scent of a Woman. I mean, these are like movies that have won, you know, Golden Globes. I mean, he had been directing for a long time. So maybe part of it was just he didn't have the energy You know, maybe he had a long career and he thought like... He had about a 30-year career. So yeah, maybe he was done. But I mean, this was probably not the way... That he wanted wanted to go out. out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess like what I was thinking about was what's that movie like The Room? Yeah. You know, that movie was like sort of people thought it was bad, but in this kind of like endearing way, entertaining way. And so people got really into it. And then, you know, they made that other movie about it. And so it kind of became this phenomenon. This movie was bad, but not in the kind of way where you're like, want to watch it again. It was bad in like a way where you're like, oh, this is like hard to watch and there's something just very unsatisfying about it that like I don't think it has that same kind of cult kind of cachet that even though it has all these really famous actors and actresses in it right it's like not the kind of movie that's fun to watch and make fun of it truly is so hard to watch like there's nothing entertaining or endearing about it I truly kept texting Jonah and saying that I wanted to throw up (laughs) and It took Jonah and I both several times sitting down with it. Like we could not watch it in one sitting. I think that this movie has really earned the level of like vitriol people have given it. And I just want to say, if you got anything out of this podcast, it should be that you should never watch this movie if you can avoid it. The last thing to add about it is that it's also two hours long. It's such a long movie. It's a long movie. It is very long. Yeah. It deals with some different 
you know, like people's sexuality and, you know, different kinds of, you know, mental disability or or whatever. It deals with a lot of things like that in the most crass and unsensitive and just unthoughtful way possible. Yeah. And and I would say two hours, it feels more like five hours. It like feels I said. like five like hours. This, yeah. This is not an easy movie to watch in one sitting. Yeah. It feels like if you wanted to punish someone, you would be like, you have to sit in a room and watch this all in one sitting. Or if like you were on an airplane <laughs> and... You wanted to fall asleep. If you wanted to dare someone to watch it on an airplane and say, like, if you watch it, I'll give you $200, I would still tell that person to say no. Wow. Maybe for $1,000. I guess for $200, because you could just, like, you're right, you could just fall asleep or whatever. (laughs) Would that count, though, if you fell asleep? Would you Right. You stay awake and watch it. (sighs) I think I'd have to get at least $300, maybe $250, I'd do it. But guess what? We did this for free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we did this for our listeners. We sacrificed two hours of our time, plus a lot of research, plus this recording. And we just want to say to our editor, Clay, God bless. Good luck. Yeah, Clay. Sorry you had to listen to all of this. Thanks for making us sound really eloquent in this analysis. This was honestly a really difficult movie to watch. It's a difficult movie to talk about. You know, parts of it are incredibly offensive. Parts of it are just poorly written. Parts of it are just poorly acted. And it just comes together to form a film that's kind of like a gangster movie, kind of a romantic comedy, kind of a drama, but like isn't really anything Yeah. at the end of the day. Except a piece of garbage. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. If you made it this far, wow, <laughs> that is impressive. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes. If you like these movie episodes, please let us know. We can do more of them. And next week, we promise we'll be back with another guest discussing you know, a hallmark from their childhood and nostalgia on how do we get weird. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Talk to you soon, Jonah. Oh, my show... I I love that for you is available. You can stream the entire thing now wherever you stream Showtime. So I guess get to stream it. Stream it up. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.